I just became overwhelmed almost with the amount of opportunities that were out there. And I started looking for a place to share them. And I couldn't find that place. There were some communities that already existed, but a lot of them were general. And some people don't realize it, but when you have a general tech community, it tends to lean to be more about men or more like there tends to be a lot more men than women in those spaces. And further to that, sometimes sharing women-only opportunities in those types of general communities are very negatively received. People might be shocked. I was shocked before Samari experienced it where, for example, there was a scholarship for women to attend something or to study and you share it in one of those communities and the first type of comments you get are like, oh, what about men, etc. And so it didn't really feel like a safe space to share. Welcome to Latinx in Power, a podcast hosted by Thaisa Fernandes. When it comes to running a thriving business, there's nothing more crucial than boosting your revenue. Sales professionals do more than just seal the deal. They hunt down leads, predict growth, generate reports, handle contacts, craft content, and crush numbers. The list seems endless. As we approach Q4, it's time to discover a better way to succeed. And it all begins with the brand new HubSpot Sales Hub. With HubSpot Sales Hub, you find a seamless connected platform where your data, tools, and teams come together, creating a smart and highly customizable workspace that is a pleasure to use. Transform potential leads into active pipelines and seal the deal, all from a single location. Speaking as a former designer, I can help but appreciate how user-friendly and visually appealing HubSpot is. It is both functional and aesthetically pleasing, which is the perfect combination in my opinion. Moreover, the inclusion of sequences and streamlined workflows empower your sales team to simplify tasks and dedicate more time to what they excel at building meaningful connections with customers. With Sales Hub, closing deals become a breeze. Why not experience it for yourself? Visit hubspot.com slash sales to give it a try. Welcome to Latinx Empower. Today, we are talking with Janika John. Janika is a software engineer who discovered programming while pursuing her bachelor degree at the University of West Indies, Cape Hill, and went to earn a master's degree in applied computer science. Janika is also the founder of the Women in Tech Caribbean community, where she advocates to greater diversity and inclusion in the tech industry. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Excellent podcast. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a while. I wanted to talk with you. So I'm so, so happy that we are making it happen today. And in this episode, we will discuss Janika upbringing and how she fell in love with computing. We are going to talk about her motivation for studying the Women in Tech Caribbean community and the challenges she faced promoting diversity in the tech industry. So Janika, could you tell us more about your upbringing and how it influenced your love for computers and computing? 
Yeah, definitely. I'm from a group of islands in the Caribbean called St. Vincent and the Grenadines. It's actually a group of 32 islands, which forms one country. And my father was actually into computers and actually teaching computer classes. And I would have to tag along with him actually while he was teaching these classes. And so from a very young age, I was already exposed to computers, even though I think we got it a little bit late in St. Vincent, the computers. And so it took a while for it to kind of trickle even to mainstream. But because of my father, you know, him teaching these computer classes, I would have been exposed from a very young age as a Vincentian and spending a lot of time with it. Funny enough, though, even though I had already been exposed and I had already kind of been perceived as other people as the techie girl or the computer girl, I still didn't really see a place for tech for myself. I didn't see it as something that I really belong to and fit into for a very long time. Anybody who asked me, even when I was 12, 15, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said like a scientist. And I thought I would do something with, I don't know, biology or physics. I really love physics as well. But definitely that's how my roots kind of got its start. And that's how I was exposed from like a very young age. That's incredible and so cool to say when you're a kid, like, I want to be a scientist. I love that. (laughs) It's actually a name of a bedtime book that I gave to my friend when she had her daughter. She was like so, so, so small. And it was like a bedtime book called She Can Be a Scientist. Definitely. I think books has a, it's funny you mentioned books because books had an influence on me as well in terms of feeling like, okay, I want to be a scientist. I would like check encyclopedias and support on my mom as well would expose me to different books and also shows like, I don't know if people know the magic school bus. That was a show that I watched a lot as a kid and the lady, Miss Frizzle, she was a science teacher. So, Oh, incredible. It's so important to have things that inspire us, that we can see ourselves in those moments. That's incredible. And in this season, I have been enjoying interviewing folks who come from countries, part of Latin America, but not necessarily feel that they are Latinx. And I want right. to ask you, how do you feel connected with the Latin America? I know that it's it's a tricky question <laughs> because yes. Latin America is huge, right? It's just so huge. And depending on where your country is located, you might have different influences. So I love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's a really complicated question, especially coming from the Caribbean, which is in such close proximity to what people would more like generally consider Latin America. And people associate Latin America a lot with speaking Spanish or even Portuguese and my country is English speaking but you know there is the group in Latin America and Caribbean so it means that a lot of let's say studies or even something as silly as our cable television is actually for Latin America. To answer your question like for a very big part growing up I didn't really consider myself even remotely connected to Latin America mostly because we speak English and also we consume a lot of American content I will have to say but I had an experience when I was at the University of the West Indies that really opened my mind up to how connected we are in this region, how we share a lot of the same history. I had a roommate who was actually from Belize and she was so kind to make different foods that she was used to eating in Belize. She would make tortillas from scratch. She would make all these 
delicious by the way <laughs> foods and I always found that you know at the time I was I was younger I was in university and I always said to myself huh but are you Caribbean in Belize or are you like Latin like how do you see yourself connected and she said to me that you know I think I'm both you know because she's ethnically she's black right so I should point that out but then she said at the same time you know there are things about let's say the English-speaking Caribbean that she connects with outside of food, songs, etc. But there's also a lot that she connects with when it comes to like the Spanish-speaking side. So that was the first reckoning I had with the, the realization that, especially in that region, a lot of us, we kind of came from the same roots. The countries were formed in a particular way due to the slave history, due to the history of the colonizers fighting over specific divisions. And so now we feel strong connections to certain types of divisions, but some of them are artificial. Some of us ended up speaking Spanish, French, etc. But a lot of us actually share the same history. A lot of us come from a kind of similar area and background. So very long answer. But it's now as I get older, I find out more and more about the connections and some of the things that we eat, for example, that we refer to probably in a different language, but it's actually the same exact thing. And so, yeah, but it's a complex question. It's a complex topic as well. So, yeah, I agree. And when you were uh, speaking, I was thinking about how the language sometimes plays a barrier, right? Because sometimes, for example, now I feel very comfortable yeah. in English and my Spanish is really bad. So I talk <laughs> with a lot of folks from Latin America in English and we can connect and see our similarities and we learn a lot with each other, which in Spanish, I didn't have the same experience because I'm not fluent in Spanish and the language was kind of a barrier. And when you get this moment where you can connect and talk, I feel that we definitely see a lot of similarities and also differences, right? And that sometimes are due to who we were colonized by <laughs> and <laughs> the geography in general and a lot of other factors, but there's a lot of similarities for sure. Definitely. You reminded me of the fact that I also started this Twitter space a few, like during the pandemic actually, called Caribbean Link Up. And what we did was unique in the sense that we had somebody who was fluent in one of the three most common languages in the Caribbean. So we had somebody fluent in French, we had English representative and also Spanish speaking. She's from Dominican Republic. And it was long in the sense that everything that was shared, we translated in the different languages. So it was kind of a unique meeting point of Caribbean people, people from Latin America, from all these different backgrounds. And we were able to exchange notes with each other like you know there were some people who had questions that they were probably scared to ask before for the risk of seeming or sounding ignorant that they felt comfortable enough to ask in a space so like a Spanish-speaking person, oh, what do you do? How do you, I don't know, celebrate birthdays? How do you do all these cultural things? And it was really, really interesting. Caribbean Link Up, I hope it's something that can continue on a bigger scale. Because as you say, the language is really a barrier for us in integrating. It's something that we should work on. Yeah, absolutely. I love this idea. That's incredible. I love that. And what inspired you to start a woman in tech Caribbean community and how it evolved in at the beginning? Can you give us an overview of like how it started and how it is now? 
Yeah, so I started Women in Tech Caribbean actually after I moved to Europe. So I mentioned that I'm from Simmons and the Grenadines, but I actually now I'm based in Brussels. And in Brussels, I took the opportunity to attend a lot of conferences, events. I was signing up for conferences for women, Women's Day events, etc. And once a lot of people started realizing that these are the type of events that I gravitate to, were attending a lot, a lot of people would send me actually more opportunities to attend these types of events, sometimes even scholarships to attend these events. And also when I was at those types of events, I would get a lot of opportunities, like general opportunities. So for example, funding for somebody who was interested in starting a startup or uh, scholarships for people who were interested in studying, job opportunities. I just became overwhelmed almost with the amount of opportunities that were out there. And I started looking for a place to share them. And I couldn't find that place. There were some communities that already existed, but a lot of them were general. And some people don't realize it, but when you have a general tech community, it tends to lean to be more about men or more like there tends to be a lot more men than women in those spaces. And further to that, sometimes sharing women only opportunities in those types of general communities are very negatively received. People might be shocked. I was shocked before seminary experienced it where, for example, there was a scholarship for women to attend something or to study and you share it in one of those communities and the first type of comments you get are like, oh, what about men, etc. And so it didn't really feel like a safe space to share. And, you know, fast forward a little bit, I realized, okay, since I can't find this space, Maybe I should make one. In the beginning, I thought it would just be a small group, maybe, I don't know, 20 people, you know, women who work in tech, who identify as Caribbean. And I would just be able to drop links in there and say, hey, you know, I attended this conference. I came across this opportunity. We now have over 300 and something Caribbean women, yes, in the group who work all over the world. Some live in the Caribbean, some live outside. And we're able to kind of connect with each other, share opportunities in a safe space, and also just talk sometimes about like what we're going through, what we're looking for. And so, yeah, that's how I ended up starting the community. I looked for a space, I couldn't find it, and I started it. I love that. It's so inspiring. I love to hear those stories. Like, I couldn't find a place, so I create one and that's incredible and the amount of participants that you already have is just incredible and I feel it's so important to have those spaces where first you can see opportunities that are related to you and also creating the safe space where people can talk about that because yes. yeah as you mentioned the, the example you're starting the more general community it's just you cannot be vulnerable you cannot share because the folks out there they might not understand and they might be pain yes to be honest <laughs> yeah that's incredible and as a co-manager of the woman in tech caribbean community what have been some of the biggest challenge you face in promoting greater diversity and inclusion in the tech industry Honestly, at the beginning, there was such a negative pushback around the idea of me starting Women in Tech Caribbean, actually, from other people in the Caribbean. That also took me by surprise. Why? 
didn't expect it at all. <laughs> yeah, mostly from men actually in, in this space. They kind of said, you know, we don't need something like this, I think, in the Caribbean. It's different here, etc., etc. And I mean, in some respects, like being a woman from the Caribbean and, you know, studying tech, working in tech, etc. might be a different experience than, let's say, globally, because... In general, there are certain fields that I would say that are male-dominated that in the Caribbean, those barriers are different because people more look for like economic opportunity as opposed to, you know, the ex- the stereotypes that may exist. So in some respects, we do have obviously a different makeup, a different structure, but it doesn't negate the fact that it's a lonely field in general worldwide. There's a lot of Caribbean people, myself, for example, that, you know, we are not working at home, we're working in other countries, bigger countries where we might be the only woman on the team and just being able to reach out to another Caribbean woman, especially where you don't have to explain certain stuff out front before you discuss, you know, maybe challenges that you're facing is super, super important. And I also think that you know, it's kind of a excuse to say that our makeup is different in the Caribbean because me, for example, when I studied at the University of the West Indies, I did experience comments, questions about me studying computer science. I remember I went to someone in the university and they said, they made a remark that although the faculty has a lot of women, that the field that I was studying was one of the only fields in the entire university where there were actually more men than women studying. And so, yes, we have different, let's say, problems and things to focus on, but it doesn't negate the fact that we need safe spaces. We need to pay attention to the women who work in tech of Caribbean descent and in the Caribbean. We still need to focus on it. But yeah, I, it took me by surprise. It's actually thanks to the support of friends and family that I was able to still start it. And then once I started it, you know, some of the challenges became how much work it is. As I said in the beginning, I really thought it would just be like this small group or thought like, oh, there's 10 people maximum from the Caribbean working in tech who are women. Wrong, completely wrong. We're everywhere, even in some huge companies. And there's so many of us and a lot of us have all these great ideas. And there was a point where I think I thought to myself, women in tech Caribbean can be a full-time job. And so that's, you know, one of the challenges, trying to balance all the work that we want to do, all the positive change that we want to make with my full-time job, my actual full-time job. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a challenge, how to balance. And it's very tricky, right? Because it's something that you believe a lot. So of course, you want to give your best and use your all your free time to work work on that but at the same time it's not sustainable right so it balance is very important but very tricky it's very tricky to do that but thank you thank you for creating this space and for sharing and continuing this is this is incredible i'm really happy about it so far incredible and what do you think are the most important skills for a software engineer to have in today's fast-paced and constantly evolving tech landscape I know that we are all talking about AI and how it's changing. And yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what are the skills that you think are the most important and should be focused on or yeah, whatever you want to share. 
I think for me as a software engineer, one of the skills I think is most important is the ability to learn, the ability to stay flexible and the ability to stay open-minded. As you said, this field is so fast-paced. Things change like that. Everybody is talking about AI again, because this is not the first time. You know, AI pops up every, I don't know, five years or something. And it's something that has been talked about for a while, you know, but, you know, with the new wave of generative AI, the popularity of it, the accessibility of it, I think is one of the biggest things that changed. It's something that we have to, as programmers, as software engineers, I think we should be flexible and be able to learn new things. Reason why I say that, I sometimes tell friends of mine who are also programmers that it's good to have the skills that you have. For example, I work in front end right now. Um, React is a very popular framework. We don't know if React will be the framework forever. It could very well be that in the next five years, people say React who? And so you would have to be able to kind of, and not really start from scratch, but be open-minded enough to embrace whatever new thing is coming along and study those things. I do think though, that if you focus on computer science fundamentals, that don't those are things that the core, they never really change. And they are the basis and the foundation of a lot of the things that we work with. A lot of the programming languages that we use, a lot of the problems that we'll face on a daily basis, if we stick close to our fundamentals, I think we could apply them in a lot of different scenarios. So that's the main skill, I would say, like being open to learning and being flexible. I love that. That's a really good advice. I feel especially for the folks who are getting into the field now that it's getting overwhelming. And also mm -hmm. it's very exciting because now I was seeing the GitHub co-pilot. It's incredible, incredible. But at the same time, you need to spend time understanding the foundations because yeah. if you don't know the foundations, your life, maybe you are going to think, oh, it's easier, but at the same time, it can be harder, right? Because you need to understand the foundations and the sense of being teachable, being open to learn new things is more important than ever because now everything's changing so fast. So if you don't have this in your core, you're going to be left behind. And sometimes I see people complaining about the new things, but <laughs> there's no point of like even complaining, right? Because people are going to use new technologies, new language, and it's just, there's no point. You need to adapt because if you don't do it, you're going to be left behind for sure, which is very sad. Definitely. I mean, you raise a good point about feeling overwhelmed and this type of tech fatigue that can happen if you really allow yourself to be pulled in way too many directions. But for me, it has been enough to kind of just keep your eye on things. And as you say, like keep open minded. Not everything that pops up will be the change of it all. But I think it's also not very helpful to have a negative, you know, attitude towards it from the outset. You know, just wait, see what it can do see what can happen. Maybe it might stick around. Maybe it might die. Just keep one eye on it, at least. I think that's really mm -hmm. important. Curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity. Keep an eye on what is happening. Take what you need. I think yes. it's important to be a critic as well. Criticize it when you need to. I think this is important as well. But take what you need and just keep yes. an eye. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a really good advice. Thank you for sharing. I'm excited 
excited to announce that Latinx in Power is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals, and the Latinx in Power podcast aims to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspective and insights from Latin America leaders who have succeeded in their fields. Expect to hear important insights from top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America. I'm personally very excited to be part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. I have been podcasting on top of my full-time job. I'm a proper person. I know how to get things done, but I have never had the support of a professional podcasting network, so I couldn't be happier receiving the support of HubSpot. Listen to Linux Empower and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. And what are your future career goals and how do you plan to achieve them? I my career goal right now is very risky. <laughs> so right now I'm working full-time as a front-end engineer and I am hoping to launch a startup. I don't know much about the startup world. <laughs> um, I already have a prototype. I have a few people testing an application that I built. I've been building actually for the last three or so years. It's an iOS app. And I'm really thinking about taking the leap in terms of how I'm preparing for this leap. Like I said, it's very risky. So it's not really, I think it's not something you could calculate perfectly. I don't think I can make the perfect algorithm for how this will go. It could go very well <laughs> or it could not. I'm very well aware of that. But what I think is important for like a high chance of success with this is networking. I'm a very big proponent of networking. I was speaking to a friend of mine, actually, and she said, I've never applied for a job in my life. <laughs> in my case, I have applied for jobs. But I think the point that she was getting at is she's an excellent networker. And I'm also somebody who tried to network. And I realized that a lot of what I learn and what sticks with me is from other people, you know, who actually know and have experience with certain things. It's another reason why I believe so much in women in tech curb and I believe so there's so much value there. And I'm applying the same thing to hopefully launching this startup, sticking close to people and learning from people and reading things that were written by people who have been in the space, who know about it and try to learn as much as I can along the way. So that's my career goal, you know, aside from learning as much as possible about software engineering. I love programming, really, really do. Love making things. It almost feels like magic to be able to have an idea and make it exist just with my fingers and research and, you know, standing on the back of other people and their work that they have done. But yeah, this is my goal right now. That's so exciting. I love, love that. That's incredible. And I think you started to answer my next question already, but I want to ask you, what advice would you give to young women who are interested in pursuing a career in tech, but they might feel discouraged by the lack of diversity and representation in the industry? Definitely, you know, what I said, finding community, finding a network. There's a huge dropout rate of women in tech, even, for example, in the Caribbean, people might, a lot of women or girls might be studying tech, but the chances of them actually, or the percentage or the statistics of them actually staying in the field after the joining is actually quite low. 
And it can come from feeling alone, feeling like, you know, no one understands you, feeling like you don't belong. It's difficult when you feel like you don't belong in a particular space. And what can help with that is community. I love going to tech conferences in general, but I love going to women-focused tech conferences because I realized that there's so many of us. And I feel so much less alone. It's not easy to feel that on a day-to-day basis because I don't work with a lot of women who are programmers. But when I go to these conferences and I see hundreds of them, especially bigger ones, walking around, you know, they're showing up in so many different ways. They're an important part of some of the tech that we are using, for example. And I say to myself, okay, wow, I have some more energy to continue in this field. And so... This is my message to anybody who is listening to this or who knows somebody. Help them find a community. See what community is out there. See if you could connect them with that community and have them talk to more people who are just like them. Yeah, incredible. I love that. And we are all about sharing in this episode. And I really like this question. I'm always like really diving a little bit deeper into the resources of all my guests. They always suggest <laughs> good things. So I want to hear from you. Which resource helped you in your journey? Because I feel this, this is very important, right? As we talk right now, we have a lot of resources out there. We feel overwhelmed. So I love to get like tailored advice from others so I wanted to hear from you which resource helped you in your journey so when it came to being a front-end developer I used a lot of LinkedIn learning because I found that they had specific videos, bite-sized videos that were really concise and to the point and really focused on specific needs. They also weren't very in-depth, but on the topic of feeling overwhelmed, I think when I was looking at Udemy courses or these other bigger courses, it was really hours of content and I would always start them, but not find myself actually finishing them. And so the LinkedIn learning videos helped me to kind of get a broad overview of some of the skills that I needed and then go from there, whether tinkering around and trying things, learning on the job or doing my own research in addition. So that helped me a lot. Also books, lots of tech books. I like reading tech books, especially older ones. You will find that some of the things that we do or believe in or some of the paradigms that we follow are actually old and exist for many years and so there are these classic books like the pragmatic programmer I don't know if that's old enough (laughs) for some people they might say what that's a new book my point is that reading these books and kind of reading these paradigms that existed before you would realize how much some of the newer paradigms quote-unquote are actually not that new they're Based on the foundation of people when they were starting programming, starting this field, they realized, hey, these are the patterns and things that work. And then the last one, not to be a broken record, but community. Reason being, there's so many resources out there, so many paths that you can follow, so many things that you could do. But I found personally, when I speak to people who already walk the path and I ask them, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? I got a nice little concise roadmap of what they would have followed. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's the roadmap that will work for you. But it's a good way to find kind of tried and true methods. Also, sometimes just talking to people, they would naturally tell you, oh, you know what I'm doing today? I would give you one example. I was speaking to a colleague yesterday at work and I was asking him, like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And he actually said TypeScript exercises. 
And he shared this website where on GitHub, they have some basic TypeScript exercises. And he even shared the parts that he think is most useful. And just like that, I found a new resource. I found out that there's these exercises that I can do to kind of sharpen my TypeScript skills. Perfect. So again, like community is so useful for so many different reasons. Just keeping in touch with and keeping yourself adjacent with people who are already walking the path. I learned so much from people. I learned so much from people. And I love being the not so smart person in the room because then I feel like I'm drinking up so much information from everybody else. Is my favorite type of space to be in. <laughs> Incredible. I love that. Find your community, learn, be open minded about learning, take what you need, and also share what you feel like sharing. That's incredible. I'm feeling so inspired. I wanted to thank you, Janika, for your time today. I'm so, so excited with this episode. Long time in the making. I want to yes. leave the last minute. <laughs> For you to share anything you want to share, where people can find you, where people can find more about the Women in Tech Caribbean community as well. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Janika John. So my name is spelled J A N I Q U E K A on social media. So you could find me on Instagram, on Twitter as Janika John. And for Women in Tech Caribbean, we also have a website, womenintechcaribbean.com. There you could find out everything about us, even donate to some of the causes that we are working on. Volunteer as well, because we need volunteers to help us make these things happen. Um, You don't have to be a woman in the Caribbean. We just need help <laughs> to help women in the Caribbean. So yeah, I would love to connect with you. I love when people reach out to me. So please do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. You can be an ally and volunteer and help spread the message, right? Huge, huge help. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Really, really was nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, I love that. that's it for today everyone thank you so much for your time i would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast and the episodes please message us with any insight any feedback you might have and also guest suggestions message us in your favorite social media platform we are in all social platforms and if you want to write us in a review we will love that feel free to write us in a review on apple podcasts audible amazon or any other streaming that you like thank you mm -hmm.